0: The information in this skill is provided for informational and educational purposes only. Welcome, and thank you for listening to the SMA Flash Briefings.
1: Hi, I'm Price Woldridge. As a rare neuromuscular disorder patient myself, I enjoy reading flash briefings for spinal muscular atrophy. Here's an article by Marta Figueredo, PhD. Spinraza improves motor function in SMA type 3 children, too. About one year of treatment with Spinraza or nusinersen effectively prevents or reverses motor function decline in children and adults with spinal muscular atrophy type 3, according to real-world data from an international registry. Notably, when compared with an external group of untreated patients who always showed negative changes in motor function measures from age 8 onward, Spinraza was always associated with positive changes. These findings expand upon previous real-world studies focused mostly on spinraza benefits in adults with type 3 disease, thereby showing that the therapy is effective not only in adults, but also in children with this milder type of SMA. The study, Nusinersen in Pediatric and Adult Patients with Type 3 Spinal Muscular Atrophy, was published in the journal Annals of Clinical and Translational Neurology. A rare genetic disease characterized by progressive muscle weakness and wasting, SMA is divided into five main types, 0, 1, 2, 3, and 4, based on age of disease onset and maximum motor function achieved. SMA type 3 is a late onset and generally milder form of the disease. In these patients, The symptoms become apparent between 18 months and 18 years of age, when all early motor development milestones, including walking, have been reached at least for some time in life. It can be divided into types 3A, symptom onset before age 3, and 3B, onset after age 3 and less severe disease. Biogen Spinraza was the first approved disease-modifying therapy for all SMA types in children and adults. It is administered directly into the spinal canal at the recommended regimen of four doses in the first two months, followed by maintenance treatment every four months. Given that its approval was based on clinical trials of infants and young children with SMA, data on Spinraza's effectiveness in older children and adults mainly relies on real-world and case studies. While some previous studies have reported the therapy's effects in adults with SMA type 3, data on younger patients with this milder form are lacking. To fill this knowledge gap, an international team of researchers retrospectively analyzed data from 144 Spinraza-treated children and adults with type 3 disease, mostly participating in the International SMA Consortium, or ISMAC, registry. This Biogen-sponsored registry is following both treated and untreated SMA patients across the U.S., the U.K., and Italy. Patients' ages ranged from 30 months to 68.3 years. 58% were males, and 74 had Type 3A, while 70 had Type 3B. More than half could walk unaided, 43.1% could sit without help, and 2.1% were not able to sit independently. No patient had received any prior treatment and they were followed for a mean of 1.83 years, during which no serious adverse events were reported and the most frequent were related to spinal canal injection. Motor function was assessed with the Hammersmith Functional Motor Scale Expanded, or HFMSE, the revised upper limb module, or RULM, and the six-minute walk test, 6MWT, which measures the distance a person is able to walk in six minutes. The team analyzed motor function changes in the 104 patients who had one-year assessments on at least one measure, as well as the potential effects of different factors in motor changes in the 130 patients with at least six months of follow-up data. Results showed that after one year of Spinraza treatment, patients had a significant increase in the mean scores of both HFMSE and RULM, indicative of better motor function. Walkers also were able to walk more meters during the 6MWT at one year, but this difference did not reach statistical significance. Changes in the HFMSC achieved statistical significance in both walkers and non-walkers and in Type 3B patients, while RULM changes were significant only in sitters and patients with SMA Type 3A. These results suggest that the different scales should be used in combination as each of them contributes to detect possible changes in different groups of patients. Notably, none of the scales alone was able to identify all patients who had a functional improvement, likely reflecting the large variability of the functional characteristics of the individuals studied, they added. The researchers then compared one-year HFMSE changes in these patients to those previously published for an extended group of untreated 199 SMA type 3 patients across age groups. While Spinraza-treated patients across all age groups had increases in HFMSE scores after a year, untreated patients older than 7 always showed HFMSE score drops, indicative of motor function decline. Up to age 7, untreated children showed increases in HFMSE scores, but these were not as pronounced as those observed for the corresponding treated group. When the team looked at potential influencers of motor improvements in Spinraza-treated patients, they found that age, sex, HFMSE score before treatment, and functional status, but not SMN2 copy number, contributed significantly to observed changes in HFMSE. Of note, SMN2 functions as a backup gene that can partly compensate for the loss of SMN1-produced SMN protein, the main cause of SMA. Typically, the more SMN2 gene copies a patient has, the less severe the disease. The effect of the different variables was less obvious on the RULM and even less on the 6MWT, the team wrote, adding that this probably reflects the more restrictive nature of these two scales as the former is more appropriate for weaker type 3 patients and the latter can be performed only in walkers. These data from both pediatric and adult type 3 patients confirm previous findings in adult patients, suggesting that there is a 12-month treatment effect in type 3 patients irrespective of their walking abilities and that the changes can be observed on one or more functional measures depending on age and functional status, the researchers wrote. As the pattern of changes varies in relation to age and functional severity, the relevance of the response to treatment is better appreciated if the observed changes are compared to the changes observed in untreated patients with similar age and functional status, the team added. They also noted that further studies are needed to determine the minimal clinically meaningful difference in these scales in type 3 patients, which would help clinicians present reasonable expectations to patients treated with Spinraza. Coming up next, Perspectives from SMA News Today Forum's moderator, Deanne Runge.
0: Thanks for joining me. I'm Deanne Runge, SMA News Today content creator. In recognition of July being Disability Pride Month, I thought I'd share a great article by one of our columnists, Brianna Albers, entitled All of Us Will Become Disabled and Sick. When thinking about Disability Pride, specifically the content I wanted to create for Disability Pride Month, I found myself returning to a quote from *Carework: Work, Dreaming Disability Justice by Leah Lakshmi Pepsna Samarasena. If I got the pronunciation right, check out Brianna's column for the spelling. Quote, A core part of disability justice work is making the next world the world we want. I believe that our work in creating the new world depends on our dreams, because all of us will become disabled and sick. All of us will become disabled and sick. This is an aspect of disability advocacy that I rarely see addressed. Society paints disability as something unique, a phenomenon of sorts ranging from physical conditions to developmental disorders such as autism. Disability is characterized by separation and, in many cases, isolation. We are abnormal, and we are treated as such. Our deviations aren't just unwelcome, they are feared. Disabled people are human, but not wholly human, subhuman. We're part of society, but only to a certain extent. We are kept in our place through a complex tangle of laws and resolutions, Protected under the Affordable Care Act, but often unable to marry for fear of losing our benefits, and God forbid we have more than $2,000 in assets at any given point in time, that would be unseemly. But the truth is that disability is ubiquitous. It's part and parcel of life on planet Earth, but we can't treat it as such. Otherwise, the disabled people would have just as much worth as your average, able-bodied dope and who would serve as our inspiration point? All of us will become disabled and sick. Disability is set apart so able-bodied advocates can feel self-righteous. They're perfectly healthy, but aren't they so kind and generous for donating to the Muscular Dystrophy Association telethon? They care so much for the poor kids with their broken bodies and their sad little lives. They really are the best of humanity. And so we maintain the status quo, with the righteous and the pitied playing their respective parts. We don't talk about the 6.4% of people ages 65 and older in the U.S. who exhibit symptoms of dementia, a disability. We don't talk about the 14.7% of the people worldwide who live with migraines, a disability. We don't talk about the 7.2% of children under 18 who struggle with ADHD, or the countless adults who have it but go undiagnosed for years, a disability that affects everything from education to career to socialization. We talk about the one or two per 100,000 people who have SMA, a rare disease that only affects folks who are unlucky enough to win the genetic lotto. We talk about the blind, the deaf, the physically disabled, people who are so estranged from normal society that they become their own population. All of us will become disabled and sick. We talk about the aging population. How, for the first time in history, people over age 65 outnumber children under 5. It is, again, a play at separation. We need to deal with this crisis, but not because it affects me, not because I, too, will one day become sick and disabled. All it takes is a car accident or a really bad cold for the healthy individual to become othered to join the ranks of the infirm. But we don't think of it that way, and so our advocacy loses its urgency. We resort to annual telethons and black and white billboards, forgetting all the while that health is temporary and disability is a certainty. July is Disability Pride Month. Many of the people who I follow on social media have posted about it. People who identify as disabled or who have loved ones with a disability, so-called allies, have been remarkably silent. So it's no surprise that the Supplemental Security Income SSI, Restoration Act of 2021 has been making the rounds in the disability community and nowhere else. Among other things, the SSI Restoration Act would remove the marriage penalty and increase income limitations without restrictions. This bill could single-handedly revolutionize disability in the U.S. But no one's talking about it, despite the fact that it stands to affect everyone. Everyone benefits from marriage equality. Everyone benefits from an increase in investable assets. You might not be disabled, but chances are you will be at some point in your life. Would you like to marry your longtime partner without penalty? Would you like to have more than $2,000 in your bank account at any given point in time? Would you like to, at the very least, make minimum wage? This July, I want us to remember that disability isn't special. It isn't something that happens to lazy people or people who are born with bad genes. Disability is ubiquitous and natural. And contrary to popular belief, it doesn't have to be the end of the world. All of us will become disabled and sick, and that includes you. Thanks for the great article, Brianna. It gives us a lot to think about during this Disability Pride Month. If you'd like to read her entire article, go to smanewstoday.com. But that's all I have for you today. Have a good day, everyone. We'll talk again soon. The information in our flash briefings and podcasts are provided for informational and educational purposes only. Be sure to tune in daily to SMA News Today for the latest news and perspectives regarding the disease. Discover more content that might be of interest to you at www.smanewstoday.com and be sure to follow us on social media and join our SMA News Today forums, a trusted SMA community ready to welcome you anytime.